Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and I really appreciate you joining me each week on our journey together. Can I say that this week's podcast, and we're almost up to 100, is my best yet. Please listen to this, share it, enjoy it. It is a great story. We're creeping closer to 100 podcasts, and I'm starting to get messages and emails and texts from people all over the world to say they are listening to the podcasts and they're resonating with them in their lives, whether they're on the Camino, preparing to walk, or they've arrived home. And when I started the podcast almost two years ago, I did it for selfish reasons, really, to continue my engagement with the Way of St. James. It had such an incredible impact on my life, I wanted, as Rebecca Scott said in week eight of My Camino, the podcast, to continue to experience the juju of the ancient way. There's nothing like it, I'm sure, anywhere else in the world. I'm a pilgrim, not just on the Camino, but in life. And I can't help feeling I'm living a different life than the life I lived just a few years ago, due to my pilgrimage. Well, my guest this week is a pilgrim with an incredible story to tell. It's a story of great challenge, a story still being written in many ways. And I have to concede, as I do from time to time, I don't know a lot about Monica Davis. But as is with the case with previous podcasts where I don't know a lot about my guests, I can't help feeling we may end up with a story for the ages. Monica Davis is on the line from Mushia. Welcome, Hermosa. Good morning. Thank you, Dan. I say hermosa or beautiful because you have a beautiful story to tell. But first, tell us about Monica Davis's history. Where are you from and how did you end up in Mushia? We'll get to that later, but tell us your story. Um, I'm originally from, well, I live in Florida in the U.S., and um, I am now living in Spain, <laughs> in Mushia. I just moved here three weeks ago. How did the Camino come into your life? Yeah, so that's, um, that's quite a story. Um, my daughter, my only, da- my only child, she was 27. Um, <clears throat> she was murdered last year. And... Um, I kind of spiraled out of, um, into depression, obviously with grief after she died and, um, not able to cope with life and cope with anything. Um, her and I were best friends. She was my whole life and my whole world. So it's, um, her, um, abrupt loss from my life, um, was just devastating to say the least. And uh, I couldn't get out of bed. I was um, just not myself anymore. And one particular night, um, I was grieving and raging at God and um, just really at a very dark hour in my life and at a really bad crossroad. And sadly, afraid that something a choice I was going to make that wasn't going to be in my best interest. And um, out of this raging and walking around the living room, uh, yelling at God, I just kind of collapsed down on the couch. And for whatever reason, um, I turned on the television. And 
the movie The Way with Martin Sheen was actually on the television. And um, I sat there and I watched it and uh, resonated so completely with the journey and what needed to be done. And um, I called my brother the next day and I said, I'm going to Spain and I'm going to walk the Camino to Santiago. And God love him. He said, okay. And then uh, I came. I came to the Camino. I've never walked. I've never backpacked. And <laughs> I'm a girl that wears four-inch heels to work. So what are hiking boots? <laughs> so uh, completely unprepared, unplanned. Um, um, I did check out the Camino forms before I went and asked questions. And um, I really didn't know what I was doing. And I came to Spain and immediately... When I walked into the first monastery, I knew that I had made the right decision. And I knew that St. James was completely surrounding me on this journey and he was walking with me. And, um, I know a lot of people have different reasons for their Camino, um, from the people that I've talked to, but my Camino was all about spiritual. Um, I, I just, I needed spiritual guidance. I needed, a way to look for the light in this life without my daughter anymore. And, um, and so I struggled. I, I, I walked, um, I did the half stages. I could only, uh, get myself through maybe eight miles, 10 miles a day. Um, I stopped at every single church. I lit candles and prayed. So I really went slow. I really took my time. Um, I talked to every cow, smelled every flower. I mean, I just really just had a spiritual time going through my Camino. And I can't remember what day it was, but um, I was having a difficult day. And um, this little black goat came running out of a field, and he was kind of head-butting me with his, his little horns. And I stopped in the path to pet him and just kind of give him some love. And... Uh, the next thing I know, I was sitting in a field with him, pouring out my heart and my soul. And this little goat was like practically sitting in my lap. And um, if that's not a sign from St. James, I'm not really sure what is, because it was just a really cleansing kind of experience just to sit there in the field and just talk to this goat and just try to, you know, talk to my daughter and in spirit and, and things like that. And you know, and, and I, and I met amazing angels, um, along the Camino. I, um, on Mother's Day, um, I was having a really hard time getting myself sorted that morning and trying to pack my bag. And, uh, I was crying. Um, Mother's Day just happened to have been the last time I had talked to my daughter on the telephone and it was really hitting hard that, you know, Mother's Day without her, my very first one. And this dear man from England, Sir Peter, came over and um, he just looked at me and he says, you look like you could use a friend. Can, can, I, can I walk with you today? And we, we walked the whole day together and wow. it was just so sweet of him to just let me just pour out like I did. And he was so kind about everything. And then, um, and then later in my journey, I, um, I, was again, not in a really good place in my head. And 
I um, kind of came to the albergue and I was just kind of fussing with my stuff. And the man sleeping on the bunk bed across from me, he said, so why are you here? No, hi. How are you? Where are you from? It was <laughs> just looked at me and he <laughs> said, so why are you here? And um, I just looked at him and I, I was just, like I said, not in a very good place in my head. And I said, well, I said, my daughter was killed last year and um, I had no place else to go. And he looked at me and he says, yeah, I got that. My son died too. And so we just immediately talked and talked and talked and talked. You know, we shared our stories and our grief. And um, he had an amazing story that was equally as sad. And um, it was just a really good bonding with another human being who actually knew what I was going through. And we were both walking the Camino for the same reasons. So I really believe that the Camino puts these people in your life for a reason and in this path. And, um, I don't know. I, I honestly believe that, um, I believe the Camino saved my life. I, I, I do know that. Um, and every day I give thanks to St. James and I honor him by continuing to walk. And, uh, I just came back here to Spain, um, about three, four weeks ago. And, um, I've chosen to live here so that I can walk the Camino every day so I can keep feeling that spiritual awareness and awakening and the light that the Camino brings to my life. And um, it's just been a great journey to be on the Camino and to be around pilgrims. I get so excited seeing them in Mishia um, with their backpacks and trekking poles. I, I immediately have to say hi and, you know, where are you from? And it's just... um it's nice to hear their stories as well. It's It's been a good experience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with you about the Fellowship of the Camino because that's a very important part of the reason I'm talking to you, Monica. But you mentioned at, at the very start there that you were kind of angry with God. A- and you said, you know, you were in the at home thinking, oh, my God, you know, I don't know how I'm going to co- cope and how I'm going to continue. So... Had you had a relationship with God? Were you a spiritual oh, person? Yes. yes, absolutely. I've um uh Catholic and uh I I always he's always been my foundation. He's always been you know, a part of my life. I mean, I remember as a young girl um some squabble at home and I was going to run away and I, they found me at the church. So yeah, there's just always been this relationship with God that, um, that I just felt after Savannah was murdered, I just felt really completely abandoned. It just made no sense. Everything just went upside down and I just didn't feel like he was there for me or with me. And why would he do such a cruel thing to me? And, um, yeah, it was hard. You just, you've, you've lost your child and then you feel like you've lost God. So you going through the grieving process by yourself is, um, it's an individual journey, but it's, it's a very, very lonely path because people don't understand child loss. (laughs) I learned that one very quickly. Um, I had lots and lots and lots of friends and, um, I was on every charity board in my hometown and was constantly doing volunteer work. And so everybody, I knew a lot of people 
but nobody was there after she died. It's just like you, you just become kind of contagious and nobody wants to, you know, oh my gosh, this could happen to my child. So they don't, you know, they just kind of abandon you. And, you know, the few friends that stuck by me were really supportive of the Camino and, and they've been very supportive of my decision to move here to Spain as well. You know, I, I ask most of my guests about that spirituality and whether they are religious people. And there's a reason why, because it's, it has a, a, a way that I shape the narrative of what I'm trying to achieve. And I found a proven path, if you like, to draw stories from my guests. And as I said, yours is an incredible story. You and I were toing and froing online this week. And I said, look, I think many people will benefit from the insights you have to share. Think of it this way, Monica, you are giving a gift. I might help you unwrap it. So so you don't have to tell us about the circumstances of Savannah's death, but I'd like to hear about her as a person. Oh, my God. She, oh, Dan, she was this amazing light. She uh, was 27, and um, she was an animal activist. Wow. <laughs> um, she, she worked with PETA, Mercy for Animals and Farm Sanctuary, and... Um, just made this world a better place. She was co- constantly campaigning um, for animal rights and against animal abuse. And um, she was actually part of the team that helped bring um, sanctuary and freedom of the elephants from Ringling Brothers. She right. was part of the team that she was part of the team that helped expose their abuse. And um, she just was. She's just an amazing human being, and our world needs more people like her. And sadly, you know, sadly she's not here anymore to continue her work. But um, she's just, yeah, she was a brilliant light. Sorry to go on. <laughs> That's okay. The, uh, you know, the Camino provides us with time and space, two things we can't possibly get enough of in our daily lives. Have time and space eased your pain in a way? Yes. So the Camino is, um, I really stop now. Um, I walk every day. I I look forward to the sunrise. Um, I just really slow down. You know, it's just really try to find myself in that center, especially in the morning, to just really give thanks and know that she's with me. And that she's guiding my path and, you know, to know that God's back in my life as well. And to feel that I'm not alone in this grieving journey anymore, um, that I do have, I do have her beautiful spirit surrounding me. And I do have St. James who called me to the Camino and continues to call me and he continues to guide my path as well. And it's, yeah, you do slow down after you've been on the Camino. You appreciate you just really appreciate life. You appreciate the simple things. You know, after I came home from the Camino, I went on this strange, um, bizarre, um, I don't know. I just, I cleaned out everything in my house. I, I just, I spent the entire summer cleaning out the garage and just donating things, throwing things away. Why, why are you holding on to these love letters from when you were 16. Why are you holding on to (laughs) those pair of jeans that you're never going to get back into? I mean, so I I got rid of a lot of stuff and, um, 
really pared down in my life. And, and the whole time it was thinking, you know, as a pilgrim, you just, your backpack, you know, just, do you really need these things in your life? You know, are they weighing you down? Can you walk, you know, 10 miles with all this stuff in your heart and in, in your head? And, um, I, I've really changed my way of thinking on a lot of things and, and have really scaled back and, um, just really happy with the direction of being a pilgrim and what being a pilgrim means now. Uh, Everything's possible if you walk to it. <laughs> that is exactly right. You know, I, I, you shouldn't ask a lady her age, but you sound very young. And if Savannah was 27 when she died, you must have been a young mum. I was. Yeah, I had her when I was 22. Right. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, gosh, you would have been, as you said at the start, friends more than a mother and daughter as well. Oh, we traveled the world together. We um, moved together. We just, uh, we were always there for each other. Mothers and daughters have very um, intricate relationships, to say the least. They're challenging and they're loving, um, but we were always there for each other and we would drop anything to help each other and and just, um, it was just her and I against the world, and yeah. it was a beautiful relationship. Yeah. I want to start to talk about positives, as preposterous as that sounds, I suppose, but you've packed up <laughs> your life, you've moved to Mushia. The pictures of you posting on Facebook are incredible. And and I was, looking, I was looking while I was writing the script, and I, I looked across at, at the picture, and I thought, you have wind in your sails now, don't you? I do. I do. I feel, I don't know how to explain it. I just, I feel, I, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm, I'm feeling everything now. I'm feeling the rain and the wind. I'm mm. feeling the colors. I'm feeling yeah. the food, the, the, the vibration from the Camino underneath my feet as I walk every morning. And I'm, I, I feel just the energy of the people that I'm surrounding myself with. And um, I haven't felt in a very long time. I feel like I've, I, I was numb for a very long time. And now I'm just starting to, to come out of that and, and know that this next part, I can do this next part and I'm happy with the decisions I'm making. And I'm, I'm, I'm moving forward in a really good place and walking the Camino every day to be able to feel that sacredness and, and the vibration from thousands of years of pilgrims that have gone before me with as many burdens, if not more, is um, it's, it's enlightening and it's fulfilling. I'm going to continue the sailing analogy, um, if you like, but you're beginning to make progress, as you said. Describe to me, if you could, Monica, a destination where you'd like to arrive. Where do you hope to, to get to? Where do I hope to get to? Uh, just to remain grateful that I'm here. To, I, I really want to continue that journey in sailing to that point of walking, just to continue to keep walking the Camino. Um, it just, I need to just, I, you, you never get over grief, Dan. There will never be a point in my life that, um, 
the grieving will be over. You just move through it to a place that isn't as painful, I hope. So I guess that's what my final destination. And, and I believe walking in the Camino every day and living this pilgrim life now, I believe that's what's going to bring that ultimate destination into, you know, to reality where it's just not as, not going to be as painful. I really don't have any hopes or dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but they, they will come. They will come. You know, um, when you you first messaged me and 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 we were toing and froing, and I, I friended you on Facebook, and and we now I start to follow you, and and I always keep an eye out uh, for Monica's posts because I want to just read a couple. Well, to you and to my listeners. Here's one from this week. Where the Atlantic Ocean rushes to kiss the very northwestern tip of Spain. What a majestic kind of love to witness. Colourful sunrise turned into a fog-filled, very grey, dark day with lots of rain. Not a pumpkin to be seen in all the villages for Halloween. Really missing my big brother. Halloween was always our favourite holiday to celebrate until life turned upside down. But my walk today discovered a telephone booth. My downstairs neighbour helped me figure out my washing machine while wearing his Superman bathrobe. Couldn't make this up if I tried. I'm extremely grateful for his help as I tried to figure out my apartment. And you wrote, received a compliment from a colleague today that I'm making a difference with cases in Europe and he's happy I'm here to help. So with that, I'm going to try to figure out Amazon in Spain to see if I can download some Halloween movies to help scare me into a better mood for all this All Ghouls Eve. Happy happy Halloween from Spain. You see, if I'm reading that, I think Monica's starting to live again. But there's a line in there that I wanted to just touch base with. Tell us about your big brother. An American girl in Spain is a long way from her brother in America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my brother, he's the most amazing man. He, um, yeah, he's, our dad died when we were very young. And so he's kind of had to pick up the pieces and um, he's always giving the dad advice and the wisdom. And he's my biggest cheerleader. And he's always the one to say, okay, go do it. You can do it. And he never holds me back. He's just a really great big brother. And yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to talk him into getting over here. Ah. I think, I think, I think he would love it. He uh, lived in Germany for a long time when he was stationed in the army. So he likes the European lifestyle. So I know if I could just get him on a plane, I could get him over here. He wouldn't go back. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're heading into winter in Spain, uh, and you are now on the Camino, so you can walk whenever you like. Do you think in the new year you might sort of head out a bit wider from Mushia and, and try some different paths? Yes. Actually, I've already started planning. You do one Camino, that's never the end, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I've already I've already planned to – I want to walk the Portuguese route next May, Um and Deco is inside with May 22nd, like I did this last year. And so, um, yeah, so I'm going to do the Portuguese route next year, and I'm looking forward to it. That first Camino you walked uh, to, to, to honor Savannah in many ways, where did you start and where did you finish? Um, so I went, so my Camino was different. Um, I, I couldn't take six weeks off from work because I had, 
taken so much time off uh, earlier. Uh, so I started in Samos at this at the monastery. Oh, no! It will. And like I said, and like I said, I did the half stages. So other people, I think it takes them what five or six, seven days to get to Santiago. It took me ten. Um, I went really slow, and then um, I took the bus to Mashia. Um, a dear friend of mine um, that I've known since I was 16, he actually flew from San Francisco to and, and met me in Santiago at the end of my Camino, um, just a dear, dear friend. And um, so we went to Mashia together by bus. And when I got to Mashia, I just felt instantly that it felt like home. It felt really? just like where I needed to be. And I wasn't really quite sure why I was here. And um, him and I um, were walking, and I decided to um, kind of crawl down the uh, rocky cliffs and crying. And I just kind of sat there just thinking about Savannah. And he, um, his name is Charles and lovely friend. And uh, he was kind of standing behind me trying to, uh, hold on to me to make sure I didn't fall into the water. And, um, he just kind of looked up and, you know, kind of had a brouhaha with God and said, you know, he owed me an apology that why did he do this to me? And, and it was a really an intense moment, um, for both of us. Um, I ended up releasing some of Savannah's ashes here in Mishia. And um, as we released her ashes, this huge wave came over both of us. And um, out of the rock, this rock formation came out of the water that looked like a, a whale playing with a ball. And uh, we just knew at that time that Savannah was with, with us at that moment when we released her ashes into the water. And it was really spiritual. It was just um, the whole being here at the end of the Camino was the place I needed to be to release her ashes. And then um, I went ahead and went back to Astorga to meet up with my friend Basha. And uh, her and the boys uh, took me to Cruz de Ferro the next day. That was my last place on the Camino. So like I said, my Camino was different. Um, I wanted to end in Cruz de Ferro. And uh, I had brought some seashells with me um, on my Camino for my daughter. And, um, when I got to Cruz de Ferro, when I touched the iron cross, it was primal. It was just, I was just heaving and sobbing and just like, it'd been like somebody had told me all over again for the first time that Savannah was killed and, and no longer going to be here. And it was just such a release at the iron cross and, and forgiveness was felt and there was a light felt and she was there. I mean, people can say what they want about the iron cross, but I know for me that it was the most spiritual point on my Camino because I know that she was with me and we both, um, we, we both held hands there and it just, um, it was it was just really powerful to be at the Iron Cross and to end my Camino there and to release my seashells and to release the last of my burdens. Have you made up with God? Yes, yes, very much so. We we um, 
I, I go to church again and, uh, we talk a lot and, uh, St. James is, um, very relevant to my life. I, I look for statues of him. I look for photographs. I look for his presence because I think, I don't think I actually, I know that he called me to the communion and I know that he saved my life. Yeah. I was going to ask the next question. Can I ask if you have a favorite place on the Camino? But I suspect that would be the Cruz de Ferro, right? Yes. Yes. Very much so. What's the one thing you love most about the Camino? The peace. I like walking through the the Galician forest um, by myself. I liked the crunching of the path. Um, I just like that peace being by yourself and just walking and walking and walking. And you're just, there's just peace on the Camino that you just are filled with this beautiful light and peace that I've never experienced before. Do you keep in contact with your Camino family, those people that you walked with? Some of them, yes. Um, a lady in Washington, her and I email back and forth. And um, I, I met Basha through the Camino. I met Brendan through the Camino and Gonzalo. And yeah, yeah. So when I came to Spain to move here, it was already a welcoming. I had people, connections and, and people that I can meet up with. So that's been great. You know, I want to... And I've met other... Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Monica. You go on. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I've met other pilgrims to the forums, and um, I'm actually meeting them face-to-face while I'm here. Like Saturday, I'm meeting um, a friend, Stephen, in Finisterra, who walked from Austria to Spain and is now living in Finisterra. So to meet other mil- pilgrims from the forums face-to-face, it's kind of cool. I want to encourage you to continue to recover because I think you're absolutely amazing. There'll always be, I suppose, a part of you that's missing. But how has being a pilgrim helped in your recovery? The simplicity of the life of the pilgrim, how has that helped? Just like you said, the simplicity. We just don't need all the noise in our life. We don't need all the chaos in our life. We don't need the huge house and, you know free cars and just all the stuff that comes with that. You know, we being simple and minimalistic and just putting your feet on the ground and moving forward, I think is the best, um, the best way to live for me right now. Just keep moving forward. Just keep walking. And if you keep walking, you'll keep healing and if you keep walking, you'll you'll keep connecting with the energies and the spirits that are there in your life to guide you. And you just keep walking and you keep listening. Just keep filling your soul with that peace. What would you say to somebody who's thinking of walking the Camino de Santiago? Do it. Do it. Don't, don't overthink it. (laughs) Don't overthink it. Don't overplan it. Just do it. Just, just get out there. You'll figure it out when you, once you're walking, you'll figure out what you need and better yet, you'll figure out what you don't need. You know, just, just shed, you know, shed the hair, shed the makeup, shed the, just the, 
the worries and the burdens and, and just, just do it. Just walk. You'll, your whole life will change once you start walking. What would you say if you could whisper something into the ear of 22 year old Monica Davis? Don't give up. It's gonna, it's gonna be okay. You just gotta, just don't give up. You know, there's an Australian band. uh, uh, They're called Crowded House. They were kind of pretty big in America. They released a song a few years ago. It's called "She Goes On," and it says the lyrics. Say, pretty soon you'll be able to remember her lying in the garden singing, right where she'll always be. The door is always open. This is the place that I loved her, and these are the friends that she had. Long may the mountain ring to the sound of her laughter. And she goes on and on. In her soft wind I will whisper. In her warm sun I will glisten till we see her once again in a world without end. Monica, oh, wow. you are a superstar. You are kind, unbelievable. <laughs> I hope you find what you're looking for. And look, I know I speak on behalf of all of my listeners, pilgrims right around the world, who are happy to help you carry your load. So reach out. We are there for you. And and sail on, Monica. There are sunny days ahead. I know it. And I can hear it in your voice. You've made great progress. You've sailed a great journey so far. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's not just me saying thank you. It's all of the pilgrims around the world who say thank you for having the courage to open up your heart. Thank you. Thank you very much. Dan, thank you for your kindness. (laughs) Buen Camino. Uh, Buen Camino. (laughs) My guest this week, the American pilgrim Monica Davis. Jobs fill your pockets. Adventures fill your soul. Sometimes adventure gives us space and time, space and time to consider. In her soft wind, I will whisper. In her warm sun, I will glisten. Till we see her once again in a world without end. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Once again In a world